Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I can only say that it feels right, it feels right, it feels right, yeah, I can only say that it feels right. Hello, good friends, and welcome to another episode of the 10,000 Miles Podcast. I'm Kyle Radke, and I'm here, as always, with Julian Andrews. Julian, up, Kyle? how are you? We got rain here in Minnesota. I know, the drought is over, and now it's going to rain for like two weeks. Yeah, you know you, you know you're getting old when, when it rains, you just sit there with a cup of coffee and you go, ah, we needed that rain. Yeah, good for good for all your crops, right, Kyle? Good, good for your crops. Um, good for everyone. Uh, we have a fun podcast today. We have Zach Weiss uh, joining us. Um, very excited. He's the host of the Across the Cast podcast. We'll introduce him soon. But before so, let's get into our good friends over at DraftKings. The NFL is back, Julian. I'm jacked about this. I'm so I knew you would be all season to start. Uh, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't miss offer. For week one, bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's a good deal. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place $1 bet on any week one week one game. That's promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. They make those ads. You not did a good job with that one. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I am jacked for the NFL season. To start I'm excited. I, I always get into the NFL for about seven weeks. And See, then, and then I'm kind of just, I get bored. I, I don't, I could, I know you I don't could, though. Last year when like, I didn't, I wasn't there for the reasoning behind it because uh, you don't want players to get sick and you don't want like COVID to be a thing. But um, when it was like Monday, it was like a Tuesday game at like 2 PM. I was all aboard. I was like, let's just do this all year. Um, and we want to thank our friends over at three star sports cards as well. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but first um, Zach, man, Zach Weiss, Across the Cast podcast, a pretty successful podcast, I will say. Um, it's also part of the uh, the Basketball Podcast Network. Zach, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good, Kyle. How are you? Thanks for having me. And thanks for the kind words. I've uh, enjoyed Across the Cast. It'll be two years at the end of October since it first started. Nice. That is awesome. Um, congrats. Uh, obviously, like we're linked um, this offseason um, through uh, – uh, you know, the Timberwolves have just been making blockbuster, blockbuster trade after blockbuster trade. Um, <laughs> so the Wolves end up getting um, Torian Prince, who played like 30 games, I think, 
for Roughly. for the for the Cavs last year. Um, the Cavaliers get Ricky Rubio. I guess my first thoughts are like initially for Cleveland fans, what's the reaction on on getting Rubio? Yeah, it's a huge plus because, as you know, just as a basketball fan, the backup point guard's been an issue in Cleveland for a long time. And as you also probably know, Matthew Delvadova is my favorite Cav ever, and I do believe he is the only effective backup they've had for the last five or six years. And I say that because, I mean, first they brought in George Hill. Yes, he was a quote-unquote starter, but he was essentially a sixth or seventh option in that offense, and he was not playing well, obviously, the missed free throw that he had. They brought in Darren Williams. That did not work at all. They tried Jordan Clarkson with LeBron, and he just couldn't find any kind of rhythm in the playoffs, especially on a team that's rebuilding. You need veterans, and I tweeted this a couple of months ago or last month about how young the starting lineup's going to be. Jared Allen, yes, Jared Allen, who feels like he just got to the NBA yesterday, is going to be the oldest projected starter unless Kevin Love does remain in the lineup. But should it be Mobley, Allen's 23. So you bring in a guy like Rubio, he's, what, 31 years old. He's got a lot left. He's coming off a year where he came back to Minnesota. I think that even though you guys had a bit of a rough season, I think Rubio found his footing as the year went on and got to play more next to D'Angelo Russell. I'm happy about Rubio. He scored, about 39 in his last appearance for Spain in a loss. And some will just say that's one Olympic loss. But I look at that as saying, hey, this is a guy known for his passing. He scored 39 against Team USA, legitimate NBA All-Stars. And now his very first game after that is on the Cavs team, trying to make the playoffs on a team without LeBron, by the way. 1997-1998 is their last playoff appearance, sans LeBron. And that was with four rookies in the rotation. So maybe, just maybe, Rubio could be one of the ingredients they need for a really quick, surprising turnaround. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. Like, I think that when the trade happened for Minnesota, it was like, yeah, we need a four, but like, is Prince the answer? Like, like Rubio is such an interesting player because Julie and I have talked about this before, how he's one of those guys that you just wonder why he hasn't been on like a, a contender. Like he was on the jazz for, for a hot minute, but it was like before they got good. And he seemed like the sacrificial like lamb that had to go in order for the, for them to like get Conley and actually take that next step. But like, I mean, like it, it is baffling to me that a good team doesn't just like take Rubio as a guy, a passionate guy off the bench because he makes winning plays. Like certainly he has his faults and um, he's 30 years old. And like those faults aren't going away. Like he's not going to become a good three point shooter. Like um, offensively, like he's limited. He's a great passer defensively. He's, he's very smart, but um, you know, one, one of the things I have on here, do you have any questions for us? What, what do Cavaliers fans want to know about Ricky that they might not know? Yeah, so how, as far as leadership goes, I mean, it's he didn't really have to mentor Jordan McLaughlin very much because McLaughlin kind of came up as what? He was undrafted, right? Then he got a two-way deal, and then he really worked his way in. How did he kind of mesh with the other guards? Because I think that Rubio's key role is going to have to play next to both Sexton and Garland at different stretches. I think, I mean, uh, yeah, I think when you're it. talking about mentorship, really where Rubio had the most impact, and this has been pretty well documented, was on Edwards. Um, and, it, you know... It, it's they don't play the same position, but I think that Kyle, you knew Ricky better than I did. But but yeah. I think that like he, it's not necessarily just with his position. Like he's a good mentor, I think, across the board for teammates and especially young guys. He's just such a good pro. I think there's something there um, that even if you ignore what he'll kind of teach guys how to do on the court, he's just a really good guy to have in the locker room. But what, what do you think, Kyle? 
Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, I, I, like Rubio is one of those guys who came up and his like career is just so interesting. It, like he came up being like, he's going to be the savior of Minnesota. And for that half season, when his rookie year, he was, we had season tickets that year. Um, he was so good. I think he averaged like eight and eight um, that, that year, but he tore his ACL against the Lakers and the Timberwolves were like a half game or a game out of the playoff hunts, or maybe they actually had the eight seed at the time. And then he, he, he got hurt. Um, I think like his leadership and Anthony Edwards, it, the, the funny thing is when you talk about trades, uh, everybody was like, well, Rubio's got his expiring. He's due like 17 or 18 million. Could he be a trade piece in these pieces for like a Ben Simmons or blah, blah, blah. Right. Just for like salary numbers. Timberwolves fans were freaking out about the fact that like they were going to lose somebody like Rubio because his relationship with Anthony Edwards. And I think a big reason why Edwards felt so comfortable later on in the season had a huge part to do with Rubio. So I do think like as many teams as he's been on and like as many times as he's kind of like been the forgotten man, I think he invests tons into younger players and wants them to be better. So like I look at the Cavs and I'm like, what a perfect team for him to, to kind of be on. Um, and then of course, Timberwolves fans, cause they justify anything They're Now they're like, Oh yeah. Like, we have a power for whatever. I mean, they, they, they easily forget, but yeah, I think just from a leadership standpoint and um, what he gives young players like a, a Sexton or a Garland um, or even, you know, some of the bigs, like I, th I think he'll be really good for you guys. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Rubio and for you guys. I mean, the forward position has been, I mean, well, honestly, no disrespect. It's been a while since they've had legitimate guys around cat and Wiggins, obviously they traded Wiggins and they got Delo now. But there, there needs to be improvement. And you know, from a from a Cavs standpoint, I'm excited that they get a, a guard. They had too many forwards anyway. Prince did have a couple of really strong performances down the stretch. So I wouldn't specifically label him as a four. I'd put him more as a three-four who's going to play minutes at both spots. But yeah. I think the fact that in a separate deal, you're able to get rid of Culver and Wancho to make sure there's going to be minutes for Prince, I'm excited. And I also hope that... Prince is able to get is able to a stay healthy and b give you guys thirty eight to forty percent shooting from deep because when he's good he'll give you seventeen to twenty five on a good night and when you add in you know D'Lo and Edwards you're gonna get Beasley back and then you got Cat coming in I'm excited to see what he can do yeah I think that's always the question right is like which what version of any given guy are you getting and I think even in Brooklyn like Prince he he's showed that he can play like he's not. This is not a guy who is going to be, if he's at his best, out of the rotation. I mean, he can start on a, you know, he can be your fifth best starter on, I think, a decent team. But, yeah, it's just there's a lot of kind of concerns, I think, on the Wolves and just around how the roster fits together, how we still don't really have a four. Um, and, like, yeah, I don't know. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I, I think overall, like, I want to ask you about Prince, obviously like super small sample size, but I think he spent his whole career in the Eastern conference where I think a lot of Wolves fans, like, I think the idea of him is like, yep, it is this three who, or undersized four who brings like toughness and defense. And he's, and he's got like the, you know, the versatile body that can kind of play anywhere. Um, but like in those 30 games last year for the Cavs, what, um, what did you see? Yeah. So I actually want to backtrack real quick on what Julian just said. He can, I don't think on a good team, he could be the easy their ninth option just because as much as I like him, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about pros. 
are we are only, what, two years removed from him having the worst field goal percentage in the entire NBA over the course of the year. So we don't want to act too high on him just because he had a good stretch. We just have to understand that he can be very hot or very cold. But last year, I mean, there were stretches. I wanted him out of the rotation. I thought he was stealing minutes from uh, from Lindler and from Stevens at, at times. But those last couple of games he played, I mean, he was able to eclipse 20 points. He guided them to a couple of surprising wins. You know, that one win over Boston uh, with a couple of weeks left in the season, I think the Cavs went like 1-12 in a 13-game stretch. And that one win they had, actually helped them to get the pick that became Mobley. But Prince was very good on that day. He showed that he can shoot. I trust him as a defender. The only thing with Prince, I just don't want him hucking shots nonstop. I want Prince to make sure he has his look because there are times to get a little happy. And coming into a place where you already have D'Lo and Edwards is too legitimate. I don't know creator is the word for Edwards, more of, I guess, scorer. He just needs to understand his role because Cleveland, I mean, there were nights we'd scored 90. That's very bad in today's league. So just understand your role because when he does and when he understands the guys around him are also going to be better than what he just had, I think he'll fit better with you guys that way. Well, there's one thing that Wolves fans like. It's it's extrapolating way too much from a very small sample size. So I think <laughs> yeah. um, I think the, the 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 one or two games where he was good will probably be enough for many Wolves fans. Not me. I'm 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 a notoriously pessimistic. I think about uh, this upcoming season, but you know I I, like, I feel okay. I think I mean it's it's interesting because like you get Beverly instead of um, Rubio for that backup spot, which like whatever you can argue whether or not Beverly like Jace Frederick was on the podcast last week and he pretty much said as much like Beverly might be a better fit, but Rubio is probably the best player the, in the throughout the Timberwolves off season that either came or went. Um, but I think really what they're trying to do is like just double down as much as they can and try to figure out what they can do with that four spot and like whether Prince or not can like play there constantly. It's like, they have enough wings. Like they, they probably need him more at the four. Um, one question I have for you, Zach is why does the national NBA, like it seems like the national media hates Colin Sexton. Why is that? I love Colin Sexton. Every time I watch him, I'm like, this guy can put up 40 any night. And obviously he's a young player, so there's frustrations, but um, I don't get it. Yeah, so this goes back a decade. So you remember a guy went when a guy named LeBron James went on ESPN and said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And then the Cavs had a season where they went 19 and 63. They landed a top pick who grew up in New Jersey. His name is Kyrie Irving. And one year after they got Kyra, they got a guy named Dion Waiters from Syracuse. And by the end of the first season of Waiters and Irving being teammates, there was supposedly this rift that existed between them that wasn't actually there, but the media kept insinuating that they hated each other and yada, yada, this and yada, yada, that. And so it's like Kyrie's camp is going to want out. Kyrie's camp doesn't like his relationship with Dion. This was coming out when Kyrie was two, three years into the league, just like Sexton. And anyway, this was put to bed when Kyrie signed that max extension, which back then was only $90 million over five years, a couple of months before LeBron surprisingly came back. Waiters would be traded, but not because of the relationship with them. It was because of his fit with James. Flash forward, now we're in a new decade, the 2020s, and for no reason at all, apparently Colin Sexton going off on the Nets once during a big three-day just soured people to the point like, we want Cleveland fans to suffer. Well, first off, it's already been rough as it is, given that 
their highest non-LeBron win total, again, it, it all comes back to when they first got LeBron, is 33 games during an Andrew Bynum half season where he was disrupting practice. They're finally starting to get this guy that can play well against good teams. Collins hit a number of clutch shots over his three seasons. He went from 17 a game to 25 a game. He was this ball hog who's now averaging almost five assists a game, so that's another thing put to bed. But apparently him going to the Knicks is fun. Might I just add the Knicks now have Kemba and Fournier, so that would make absolutely no sense. There's Cavs fans that want him to come off the bench. There's Cavs media. I'm just going to name drop. Uh, if either of you guys have seen the 48-minute Twitter account, it is run by a guy named Sam Amico who still kind of covers the Cavs. But I don't know what happened between him and Cleveland. Every chance he gets, he starts a lot of this anti-Cav propaganda. I don't understand why. And I follow 48 Minutes. It's a great account. But still, both things can be true. I don't know what the deal is. He's playing great ball. He's going to get paid next offseason. There's no reason for it. I couldn't even tell you because he is just a great dude. He has nothing negative on the record. He plays his tail off. He did, unfortunately, get, I think, wrongfully ejected in the season finale. What game I was supposed to be at originally, I'm glad I wasn't because I would have been screaming like crazy if that happened and I paid money to be there. But, you know, I'm, I'm confident he has a huge season, and I just wrote a piece on why he might be an all-star. Might. But I don't I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't think there's a guy in Minnesota quite like that where they just get this unnecessary slander in the same capacity. It's it just it drives me crazy that, that I have to read it constantly, especially from people I usually trust as Cavs sources and followers. Like, ugh, come on. It's, He's staying. He's great. And that's a th so I, I have a couple thoughts here on and this is probably like a bigger conversation for like media national like local media national media. I, which is like so odd in the Colin Sexton case because normally it's the opposite. Normally you have like your local reporters that are like making the team seem way better than they are. Like if you just read Minnesota uh, Twitter throughout the offseason with the reporters and everything, it would be very optimistic. And you understand because these guys are the ones getting the interviews with uh, and, and they're communicating with P PR on a daily basis. But whenever I want to hold myself in check, I always ask people like what the, the national media, like, hey, what's the buzz on Minnesota this year? And like, it's like, well, yeah, if they make the, like, if they get the 10 seed, that's like a huge win. And then you're like, oh, shoot. Um, you know, from, from what I've been reading, it feels like we're the seventh seed, but that's not true. Um, so that, that's a good segue for, for you, Zach. You look at a team like Minnesota. Um, you're on the outside looking in what's in obviously totally different conference, too. But like just your thoughts on where where they are and like what what they could be yeah so i uh i actually i've talked to dave benz a couple of times he's a tremendous individual very nice guy good old benzy it's very nice i know i think he's a, he's a california guy in the summer though i think i don't think he's i mean anyway he is, that, yep. he is yes he is and yep, then john john krasinski is a very good writer i've also actually talked to sean park you guys have one of the best pa announcers uh, in the game uh one of the nicest guys with one of the most unlikely paths to pa announcing but anyway I think it's the same thing every year. I mean, what's the deal with Cat? How healthy is he going to be? How locked in is he going to be? Because I think that you guys were 2-0 and last season, and then he got hurt really early in the year after a couple of huge performances, and then things went sour because I like Nas Reed, but Nas Reed is an eighth or ninth man on a team that should be in the playoffs. And I think that Ed Davis is a guy that shouldn't even be considered for rotation minutes, more so just a good practice guy because – I remember when he came in with the Raptors, then he was traded to Memphis. He had some really good years, 
He was even okay for the Nets for a little while, but he shouldn't be getting minutes. I don't think he adds any value. That's what I. That's my takeaway from the last time we played you guys. I think Cat has to stay healthy. If Cat can play 75 games, I see no reason they can't hover around 500. If Beasley can stay out of trouble with the law and play all the games and stay healthy, I see no reason why they can't be there. If D'Lo can stay healthy and just and, – and maybe this is just a knock from people that don't watch. I don't know that he's a, like a straight-up turnstile on defense. I don't think it's a strength. If he no, can he, just – He is. He is. <laughs> he's bad, yeah. Okay, so if he can try on defense and Beasley can just – just stay – just focus on basketball and Cat is healthy. And obviously, if Anthony Edwards can keep the media on his side by just being the funniest dude alive by accident and just score his 20 to 25, even 30, 35 a night, that's a great core. You'll get some kind of forward play. You're adding Patrick Beverly, who I thought – I actually bought into what Russell Westbrook said for a very short while this offseason where he said, Pat Bev, trick you all, man. He just run around doing nothing for 48 minutes. Though – his effort in the second and third round when he got reinserted was incredible. He is a great defender. He just plays his tail off on every possession, and he gets no credit as a shooter. I don't care what the percentages say. I feel like so often when I'm watching the Clippers and they're just moving the ball and they were locked in on Kawhi or PG or even Reggie, he'd always make his shot. I think Pat Bev is an amazing acquisition. The fact that you can just dump Culver like that, they had to. It was. It seems like it's yeah. terrible. He's a three-position guy that can't play any of the three positions. I mean, <laughs> I am sad, though, for you guys because, you know, Wancho is in the new Adam Sandler movie. Uh, Hustle, I think it's called uh, Hustler. Hustle, uh, which uh, he filmed in China about uh, he's an agent trying to get back in the NBA. And Wancho, I think, has a big role in the movie. So I'm sorry he can't rep the Timberwolves in it anymore. Very disappointed. But – I'm, I'm excited to watch you guys this year. I think that I'll probably end up watching six or seven games just by trade if they're playing, whether it's the Cavs. Or the, they're probably sneak. I'm sure they're on national TV at least once or twice because they have or NBA TV. I think they'll be fun to watch. And I do think if Cat is healthy, I can see a 40-plus win season and maybe a play-in spot. Although, given how the West has gotten, I would not want to be in the play-in if I'm you guys. I just think it's going to be such a hard road to steal the seven or eight spot. That's fair. Um, and then, um, for like, actually, before we do that, um, let's get into our. Well, Julian, how about we do this? Let's do our three-star sports card corner next week. Sure. Um, or, or later this week, we have like fanatics news to talk about, um, and and we'll kind of hit on the Rubio card market because it is interesting. Because I think like we talked before, like Rubio's got such a weird story because he's this like sp Spanish savior and everybody loves him there and like the national team means everything to him then he's in the pros and he's not very good but um like it feels like there's a path where he gets on a really good team at one time and then like wins a title and we're all like oh yeah ricky's good um okay zach last question before we get you out of here um for the Cavs, like what means success for cleveland this year what what, what does that look like all right so i think there's three different pathways pathway number one is is just squashing all this sex lands can't work together uh, propaganda because they are good enough to coexist. I believe they can both score and they can both facilitate each at a high level. I think once they can start winning games more consistently with them playing together, that's great. Number two, a successful season, get Kevin Love out. I mean, he had his, he had his time in the sun. It's very clear right now that he needs to go it's going to get in the way of Mobley. It was seven years, two days ago since the trade, since we both did business. I think this was the first time since then, this last 
Prince Rubio deal. Get Kevin Love out. Free the minutes for the other players. And number three is just compete for the play-in, but for real. Not like win three, lose 10, win four, lose eight. Stay consistent, stay competitive, and avoid the long losing streaks. Because if they don't win much this season, there's going to be a new head coach come 2022-2023. Okay, back to the Kevin Love thing. I forget about him sometimes, um, even though he was in Minnesota forever. But uh, I, I don't know what his contract situation. I think he has the max. I don't know how many years he has left. But like, what does that trade even look like? Is it? Is it like a is it a buy like just a buyout? Is it trading him to a team for a second round pick that has like a trade exempt? Like I like I mean, obviously you're not getting anything back, but what you're getting rid of is just like kind of a distraction and a guy that kind of bogs down your team. Yeah, I believe it is he still has two years, sixty million left on it. So that's very untradeable. There were rumors coming out from from I'd say the B or C tier sources, not like Woj or McMenamin. Ramona Shelburne, Windhorst, Woj. I don't remember who put it out there. Might have been he does some good work. I think it was Scoop uh, Scoop B that said that they were trying to buy him out. And he was going to go join the Nets. That could still happen, and Nets fans would like that. I mean, I, I'd like that because it might bog the Nets down a little bit and allow someone else to win the East this year. But it's got to be a buyout. That's untradeable. I mean, unless there's the issue with the Cavs, there's nothing to attach as an asset. There's no asset to attach to love without hurting the core. And that's what some teams have done. You don't see it with stars per se. I mean, they couldn't find the Drummond deal, so they ended up getting rid of him. But when you saw Danny Green traded and Al Horford traded from their respective teams, they attached a pick to make it happen. The Cavs cannot afford to do that. I would just bite the bullet and buy him out because after next season, it's just going to be gone anyway. It's one summer, and yes, it might be an important one for them, but it's one summer that you really just can't pay much. Just bite the bullet and buy him out because you clear the spot for Mobile to become a starter. You could possibly get more minutes for Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens, or whoever they might choose to sign in the next couple of weeks, and you get the distraction and the negative energy out. I don't think he's a good mentor either. I think he – I mean, he didn't – and yes, he was hurt. He didn't make it with Team USA, and even if he was there, I think he would have held them back, so – his best days are behind him. Just get him out of here some way. Please buy buyout. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. Um, like Kevin, when he was here, I, I worked for the the Wolves for um eight years, but for like the first two he was there and he was fine. But and granted he was younger too, right? But like when when, when you see somebody like Kevin Love, you don't like at that scream of like leadership and should be on a young team to mentor guys. Um and if he's if he can't bring that, even if he is hurt, right? It's like, well, why are you here? So, um, all right, Zach, you rock, man. Um, people that can't watch uh, or that, that aren't watching the video, uh, he has a town signed jersey behind him in the in the background. So, um, that's good to see. He's one of us. But uh, you rock, man. Hey, where can we listen to your stuff and where can we read your stuff? Yes, sir. So I do some writing as well. You can find that on my Twitter at Across Cavs. That's one word at Across Cavs. And if you want to listen to the podcast, you go to Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google, type in Across the Cavs. There is no hidden spelling, A-C-R-O-S-S, space, the, space, Cavs, C-A-V-S. So thank you thank you both, Kyle and Julian, and uh, look forward to talking again. And if you thought you were getting the three-star sports card card corner next week, oh, you're wrong. Or in another episode. You're getting into this episode. We figured let's combine everything, um, especially because we're talking about Ricky Rubio in this podcast, Julian. Um, 
he's like I, I kind of alluded this in our in our talk with Zach. He's interesting. Now Rubio, his PSA tops Chrome rookie. Um, and you might say tops Chrome, what's that? Um, well, before Panini had the rights to <laughs> NBA licensed products, Tops did. Um so like with LeBron, right? Like it's top and we're going to get into licensing here in a little bit. Um, so tops Chrome Rubio's PSA 10, it's going for like 55 bucks. Um, now I'll be, I'll be completely honest. Like, I don't know if that's like a good investment, but it's only $55. So if he can, if you like put, Rubio, right? Yeah. You know? Right. Like, like if he's like your guy, like, I don't know. It seems like, especially I, again, I feel like there's a world in like two years, he ends up on like, one of those super teams is like a cheap veteran backup yep. point guard. And then before you know it, it's like, Oh, in the finals game, Ricky Rubio had 14 points and like 14 assists. Like plus, I don't know those rookie cards. Great hair. Great hair. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Like if you're a Timberwolves fan and you're just like a Rubio fan in general, like you can get like his card for 55 bucks, uh, PSA 10, just like that base tops Chrome. So, um, and I don't know what the pop count on that is, but I'm guessing that there's, there's probably not very many of them. So I don't know. Um, something to think about. Uh, Julian, now, so we got some big news out of the sports card world. We haven't really dived, d- done much diving into uh, like the sports card world in general, mostly because it's been pretty quiet, um, like just baseball stuff and not really much to talk about. But so this all kind of happened all at once, and I'm guessing it was all by design. Um, uh, the first kind of thing that we've heard was that tops after 70 years of owning MLB um, and, and having like the licensing for MLB um, and of course tops baseball cards was losing their right to um, MLB cards. Now, what does that mean? It means tops can still print MLB cards, but they cannot use any team um, image and they cannot use any, um, you know, MLB logo or like anything like that. So basically like right now, that's what Panini has. Panini has, like, is making baseball cards, but like they don't have really any value because your favorite team's not on it. It just says like, "Hey, this is, I don't know, right? This is Byron Bucks, and he plays for Minnesota. Like, they can't play the Twins. They can't put the logo on there. So, seventy years, Tops is out. Who bought it? Uh, Fanatics bought it. Now, after that report came out, um, it was within like hours that we heard that um, Fanatics has also come to an agreement with the NBA and the NFL, which means Panini is on the outs for both of those. So, um, so basically fanatics will have all three licensing for, um, all three major sports. Um, I'm curious what it means for the WNBA. I wonder if it's under the, like, the same licensing agreement as the NBA. I would think it would be. Yeah. They I would probably think so. have to figure it out with the WNBPA. Yeah. So that's the interesting. I'm glad you said that like the players association. So most time, uh, most of the times these deals are just done between the league and um, the, whether it's tops or Panini, the players are never involved. What makes this so interesting is that fanatics, basically I think how these deals got done is that they went to the players associations from each league and they negotiated with them um, probably to get them more money because they are the ones on the cards um, probably to get them a say in maybe their own like card line like maybe mm-hmm. like next year kevin durant has like the kevin durant card i don't know right. like what yep, and then, like, totally and, and he's making money off of it um so that's that's super interesting um like 
it's it's fascinating. So for Panini, it'll be like a 20-year stretch that they've had the NBA. I'm not sure how long they've been with the um, NFL. I think probably around the same time. Um, so it's super interesting. And you might say, well, this is, is this bad or good for the card world? I would say it's really good because you're getting the players involved. And that means there's going to be more money involved. And they're going to want – they're going to be more interested in – it's similar to Top Shot. Once we saw like Tyrese Halliburton get interested in Top Shot and all these things, once we see players – also like showing off their cards or their collection. That's um, good. That's a good thing. Um, and you might say, well, okay, that stinks that Tops is losing the licensing and, and Panini. Well, yes, it does stink. Um, I mean, it's not super uncommon. Like, for example, like Tops and Upper Deck used to have football licenses. And that's when like I used to collect. Um, and it was like Panini also did. And then it went exclusively Panini um, and like Panini just puts out a bunch of products that are similar. Um, so I think, you know, overall good news, I, I, there's really nothing to dive too deep into. I don't think these deals become official until like 2026. Um, but, uh, you know, another thing to keep an eye on is, and I don't necessarily know if this will happen because, for example, Top still has, I think Tops and Panini both have like licenses for soccer and mm-hmm. UFC and uh, you know maybe like golf or a few other sports. People have asked whether or not uh, fanatics will just end up buying out these these right. Like the question, uh, yeah, like will they buy the brand? Like will they br- yeah. buy the products? Like will Panini sell Optic or Prism to uh, fanatics? That was kind of mm-hmm. the question that I had too. Like, or is it just going to be a whole new kind of brand slash line of cards? Well. I think that's an interesting question. I would say, first off, I would say, uh, part of me says no, because both of these brands have like other mm-hmm. brands under their umbrella, but like, obviously they're big. The big ones are the NFL and the NBA, um, you know, and, and the MLB. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder like, maybe like Panini just like makes the calculation and it's like, we can make more money right now selling the optic brand to fanatics than we'll be able to make on, soccer and whatever like but at the same time like what if they get the licensing back or you just sell your entire company to fanatics at like a at a discounted deal because you know that in six years like you selling non-licensed nba cards and like ufc cards is not gonna like pay the bills right but Um, at the same time if you're if you're fanatics why do you buy Panini, you know, like I think if you're fanatics, you kind of can make a bet and say, we have the licensed cards, we can make entirely new products and people, there's going to be a market for them. Like they don't, they don't need that brand recognition because they're going to have the licensing. I, 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 I totally agree. I would, you know, it like for you, like the user friendliness and like a collector friendliness, I would love if that would happen. And then it would just be a seamless transition of, yep, all my cards are still being printed the same way right. they were. But I think the way Fanatics probably sees it is like, well, that's great, but we also don't need to buy these companies because it really doesn't matter. Like if Panini's valued at $3 million and Tops is valued at two and your Fanatics and you're valued at 18, it's like, why spend $5 million when no matter what, you're going to have all the chips in 2026, even if you have a shit product then. like hey, you're, already t- you're already taking their business. Yeah, you already if even if you have the worst product, it's still going to be the most valuable product and that people will be going after. So Yeah, it'll be really it'll be really interesting. Cause cause you also wonder like, is this 
Like, is Fanatics making this move now and talking to players associations and all of this because they see an opportunity to kind of reimagine the card market, you know? And if that's the case, then you don't really need these legacy brands. And I, you know, there's a part of me that hopes it doesn't get reimagined too much, but at the yeah. same time, like new ideas can be good. So it's, uh, it'll be really interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think it will be interesting. I think less of the idea to like, um, you know, reimagine the card community is honestly, I think they saw an opportunity with the players association. Yeah to get a deal done like through the back door of like, Hey, like you guys can benefit from this um, more than you are. And we have all these ideas and like, certainly like they'll bring new things to the table, I'm sure. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be like sports cards. And, you know, I mean, I think one thing to think about is like, what is fanatics relationship with uh, like retail stores like target and mm-hmm. um, you know, even like breakers, like, right. Like, if, if fanatics can like sell all of their stuff at their like whole price, like why do they need a middle person? Um, like, is there a way for them to like get the breaker market out of there? Like, I don't know if yeah, that's good or bad. Cause they have all that infrastructure already because they sell so much merch. Exactly. Um, yeah. And like, you think about it, right? Like I, I listened to this in a podcast earlier this week and, and the focus was basically on, you know, not all sports fans are card collectors, like actually very few of them, but like once you, go into a fanatic store or you're on a fanatics website and there's a sports card box, like a hobby box Mm -hmm. on the site. Um, And if you buy a hundred dollars worth of gear, you get 20% off a hobby box or whatever. Like that is super interesting to me. Like, yeah, yeah. buy buy this Jersey. Here's a hundred dollars off your box. That's, you know, $1,200. Like, um, that's interesting interesting. because I wonder then what that would do to values of cards out there now. Um, if you see like, cause if the, if the market expands, you would think that they would also sell more cards, which is also kind of a delicate balance because you need to maintain some exclusivity because that's part of the fun of collecting. But if those pop counts all go up, I mean, I don't know. And it's also like, I wonder what the relationship will be like with PSA. Like, do they see a value in kind of helping PSA scale up or buying or- PSA? Yeah, or do they like create their own grading company? Right, right. Like, and then it's just like a one-stop shop. It's all in house. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Super interesting, and that's where like I'm sure like PSA's on alert too, where they're like, oh shit, like we, yeah, I mean, we gotta we gotta get people back so we can start pumping. I mean, granted, it's five years that they're taking over, but it's still like you have to like maneuver your way into a system because if all of a sudden fanatics can be like, hey, it's fifteen dollars per to grade a card. That might be the thing, especially with younger collectors where it can just all happen in one, one stop. Mm-hmm. Like you can literally. Panini, re- the Panini and Tops, they were sleeping behind the wheel. So I'm sure that like that PSA does not want that to happen. But can you imagine something where you buy a box, you open it like digitally, mm-hmm. you know, it's still like you buy a physical box, but like you have them open it there. You decide which cards you want to get graded. They're graded in-house. Then all the cards from the box yeah. that get sent to you with some of them already graded. You yeah. Know, like... Or, yeah. Or, like, you go into a Fanatic store and they have, like, mm-hmm. a grading stop there where you can just right. drop your... You can just, like, literally drop your cards off. Like, yep. hey, like, here we got a bunch of jerseys and blah, blah, blah. Oh, also, there's, like, our card section and we have, like, a grading stop where you literally just fill out a form or, you know, it's probably, you know, electronic 
and then mm -hmm. you we send it in for you to get graded or it gets graded right at the store and then you can pick it up two days later for 20 bucks yeah like i don't know that it's, would actually be pretty cool you know like in terms of like the experience for like people like you and me that would be sweet but at the I same would, time we are until we die patrons of three-star sports cards we are we are so and well, and, and also I'm curious to ask Eric that too, about like yeah, what that we means. Should have him on. Yeah. Like, what does that mean for, um, and I'm sure it means nothing. I'm sure it's honestly just like, yep, we're going to continue to buy. Well, they have so but, much going on there. Yep. Yeah, and like, I do actually, I mean, that's a good question though, because like all of a sudden does this fanatics start putting up shops everywhere? Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, don't I don't think know. so. I, I mean, I, I think that like going and investing in physical locations is probably not what fanatics is thinking given that given like the how robust they're in like online retail infrastructure and and why like these places are right. literally already in place to print you money right exactly yeah. right like the, three the stars is up right there. now just making money for panini you know right and obviously they're doing well themselves but um all right julian that's all we got for this uh part uh so one episode this week which is a little longer um we'll hit you guys with with two next week um, I think we're going to have somebody on next week. Uh, let me check my messages. Um, somebody from the Pistons might join cool. us next week. Obviously, the Wolves and Pistons didn't really make any moves this year, but they had the number one pick. And actually, Pistons coach is uh, Dwayne Casey, old Wolves coach. So um, I think he's still there. So um, we'll chat about that. But Julian, uh, otherwise, we're recording this on a Thursday. You'll get this in your inbox or your feed on Friday. Um, you have a good weekend. Um, you too, man. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye.